things Cribs and I started doing really in the last week or so, and Chris wasn't on last week, we just had a dialogue in the beginning, kind of set it up where we're going to start maybe getting a little bit, you know, a little bit raw, kind of get, just talk about some, some subjects and kind of get back to our roots a little bit. And uh, so I want to ask you, you know, being on the retail side, you know, in the store day in and day out. I mean, we know what that's about, right? That's what people that are listening now. I mean, it's the grind. I mean, it's a great industry. But I mean, how, how when you when you kind of pull back and you look at it from that thousand foot view, and you got multiple stores. You know, we were just talking you know, about a few things. You know, uh, that, that that seem different by by having to focus on several stores. But when you have that thousand foot view. You know, does it give you a does it give you a different respect? You know, for for maybe different areas, different markets, different makes, different styles. I mean, what you know, because I know you worked for John. I mean, we all know John Marazzi. Obviously, you know he's, you know, there's not a lot of people. I mean, he's I would say he's a he's a bell cow. You know, he's the guy that's led the way. You know, for a lot of dealers, um, whether they're in the Morgan Auto Group or or dealers that that sell Hondas and Toyotas and other makes, you just know who he is. But when you look at it and you see all these other stores, startups, turnarounds, you know, what, how's it different? Um, you know, John Marazzi, Sam Robbie are about as good as it gets. And, you know, when you're at a successful store like a Brandon Honda for so long, become almost like a thoroughbred racehorse with what's in your lane. Mm-hmm. I think for a long time you were so focused on the challenges and the requirements of your market, your store, how you're built. And I think that... There's, there's two things that I think I've learned uh, wholeheartedly. You know, I go back to my retail experience and uh, I can remember when I was a district manager in retail, I would hate doing store visits. Right. And the reason why I would hate doing store visits is because I never really felt like I ever got anything accomplished because I felt like everybody was on their A game mm-hmm. when I was in the store. Right. And secondarily, I always felt that it was almost... Uh, you know, disrespectful to act like you knew what was going on. Right. And I think that to your point, it's what I've had to do is really have a more bigger appreciation for everybody's individual struggles. Right. And your market is a massive thing. Your footprint, your brand, how many rules that specific manufacturers have versus the one that you're at. You know, there's no blueprint Mm -hmm. that uh, is a cookie cutter based upon the thing. You know, FCA makes you do different things than Toyota. Toyota makes you do different things than Mitsu. Mm -hmm. You know, they all have their preferred vendors. They all have their preferred things, all the things that they require you to do. But I think what also what what makes everybody come together is to your point about just ad limited habit. I find the best things get done mm-hmm. in unstructured roundtables. Mm, I found I I feel like when guards down and everybody's dropped and it's there's not an agenda side because I feel like when you have a heavy agenda you find yourself going from one topic to the another mm-hmm. and you might never solve anything mm. and you know it's almost like running a marathon it's like you know somebody can say uh, we're going to uh, train we're going to eat right we're going to get up and run I'm going to meet you at the gym at five, five o'clock in the morning but sometimes they miss the fact that the person they're training has a broken leg mm-hmm. you know how good is the training regimen going to be for somebody who doesn't currently have the physical ability or the abilities to get it done so you almost so you almost find that but in a non-formal setting of just like hey guys tell me what's going on what's on your mind all that stuff so you almost find the broken leg Mm -hmm. 
before just putting a process together and not identifying what the holdback is. Right. And that's been fun. And I think it's just opening a mind. Um, you know, I got a, I, I think that a lot of times, you know, being in the corporate world, a lot of reasons why things don't get done is because you go in with your own agenda mm -hmm. and you, and your agenda doesn't necessarily mesh with the marketplace or that individual operator. Mm -hmm. And we're focused, focused enough to have, we're fortunate enough, excuse me, to have some tremendous, tremendous operators. So for me to have 1% mm -hmm. show or look into their business and try to come in and break it down to a hundred percent level isn't going to happen. So getting on board, doing a round table like this and people are thirsty for knowledge. That's good. So That's how, good. how are you able to decipher different goals and things? Cause you you said it's different for, you know, from one brand to the other market to market. So from a corporate standpoint, how are you able to have the same, uh, I guess, goals, but also make it different so it, it fits those particular regions or brands? How do you do that from a you know thirty thousand foot level? Well, I think that I think that's a, that's a very good question, and I think that the reality is is that the goals are the same. Uh, the destination is the same for every store, regardless of population and regardless of plan. It's just how are you going to get to that destination? You know, that's the nice thing about the automotive business. You know, everybody can kind of speak car guy. Right. You know, it's like I can remember when, you know, speaking about Brandon Honda, when John promoted me he, and he said, you know, everything that you do, it's always eventually going to come back to when you sold cars. Right. Speaking car is a specific type of language. And I think that the reason why some people don't miss or, or vendors or partnerships don't work out is because they can't speak the same language mm -hmm. or they don't have the same destination. And the reality is, is that <clears throat> I don't care where you are. I don't care right now if you're sitting in Minnesota, Florida or California, if you're on the variable side, what do you want to do? You want to sell more cars and make more profit. Right. Yep. If you're on the fixed side, what do you want to do? You want to have more CP, high dollars per row, and make more profit. Right. So the reality is, is that the destination is the same. So use the expertise of the person with that brand to get to that destination. Yeah, that's good. And, you know, so <clears throat> something that just kind of popped out of that, I know that, you know, uh, towards the end, it came and I think this might be something to explore a little bit. You know, let's look at looking at looking at profit, looking at gross. You know, it seems like a lot of times, I mean, a dealership, I don't care really who you are. If you talk to dealers, you go on the ground level. I mean, I know you have, you know, what, close to 40 stores that you guys represent. You know, so there's a lot of stores there that you have access to. But we talk to hundreds of dealerships a month. And, and you know, I, I don't know a dealer on the planet that doesn't have the pressure and I use pressure as a, as a light word. I don't mean the stress. I mean the pressure or the, the mandate, the goal to make money, not just to sell cars and to get by. But I mean, when you're dealing with an operator or you're dealing with an owner, whether it's part of a group or, you know, a smaller, you know, a couple of store group or an independent store, um, they're, they're leaning on their GMs. They're leaning on their salespeople and their sales managers to be productive. And then all of a sudden you have a lot of times, I think there's a disconnect and I know we're not just talking about vendors, but I think that sometimes gross gets a bad, a bad connotation or bad, a bad negative connotation. But here's the deal when the, you can't be disconnected to what the dealer's goals are, because the reality is, yes, they care about the customer experience and improving this, but they could also care about, Hey, how do I increase? Because I'm going to tell you, you know, there's not a company that's, that we view, you know, as, um, 
successful on the planet or that we buy from, you know, whether it's, you know, I mentioned Starbucks or Apple and all these companies that their, 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 their goal in their board meetings, you know, they're like, Hey, what, how can we drive more revenue to the bottom line? You know? And, and I think that sometimes in the car business, because, you know, it gets a bad rap. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's unfortunate because, um, you know, because I, I think sometimes we might, you know, make up some of the, some of the, uh, more concerns for, for customers than customers make up. You know, I think customers have concerns about anything if you ask them. Absolutely. If, no, who's, who's reviewing Apple's customer surveys? You know, if you do, you're probably going to hear, you know, because they made some adjustments, you're going to hear that, man, your phone was too expensive for the, for the small amount of changes that, you know, that you put out when, when the 10 came out. Sure. You know, now, now the, you know, the 11, they, they lowered the price. You know, so I mean, I think that there's a there's a reviews speak loudly, but I think when customers are asked a lot of times, and we talked a little bit about this last week, what's your thoughts on that? Well, I think that you know, the the with the way that the, the kind of the world is trending backwards. Mm-hmm. So where you know a lot of our grandparents and people like that, depending upon your generation, didn't their own, didn't own their own homes. Mm-hmm. There was somebody who owned the home. They they leased their entire lives and all that kind of stuff. And we're almost trending to where property ownership is at a is getting lower, and and there's a lot more organizations or people that own multiple residences and run them out all this stuff. So now you turn what we used to be able to say this is the second largest car purchase. Mm-hmm. So now it's probably for most people in our lifetimes now, maybe the most expensive thing that they, they spend. Mm -hmm. And it's a very hard thing to recover from in terms of a mistake. Mm -hmm. And I think it's the fear factor that is the biggest thing more than anything is the fear factor. So when you look at surveys, um, it's like, how do you speak the universal language of car right. and the, you know, and that's why, like you mentioned Apple, you mentioned Starbucks. Well, if you go into an, uh, star, there's no cookie cutter of what a Starbucks looks like. Mm-hmm. You know, you could go to four right here in Brandon, Florida, and all four of them look different. Right. They'll have different desks. They all have different things. Do they have the same product? Yes, but you control the things that you have control over, right. which is why you know customer experience, customer sat- not not so much customer satisfaction, because you know there there is a massive difference between customer experience and customer satisfaction. Mm. Customer satisfaction what is what happens once you've already messed up. Mm. It's how do you fix the problem? Right. And custom experience is what happens where you have that flow. Right. And that's it's why it's in the moment. It's in the moment. Right. It's right there. It's what you're doing in that moment mm-hmm. where you don't have to go get the customer service representative because right. you dropped the ball. And I think that, you know, what we're learning from the apples and all that is that while you maybe don't need to be cookie cutter with the building, mm-hmm. necessarily the product, you can be more in tune with what the expectation of the customer is in providing that experience. And, you know, once you eliminate that fear, it becomes a whole lot easier. And I think that the people right now, you know, transparency, I hate that word, yeah. but it, but it's the best word to describe the car business. And it's what, it's what every poll, every, you know, you go to, you know, digital deal or something and that's, you're probably going to hear it 35 times in one right, seminar. Right, transparency right. wouldn't be transparency. Wouldn't, but that's right. really what reality is. And the people that do the best and retail the most cars, that's, that's truly it. I mean, you can see their whole process. They've given you all the information and really they're getting back to selling and selling isn't selling the car at the door. It's selling the next step. Yeah, that's good. We're going to, let's just go right to our guests. We made them wait here in the beginning. So we're going to cut out our commercial and just uh, come right back. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that at the end, but let's bring our guests on. They've been patiently waiting. We have Harvey Logan, uh, owner and founder of the Harvey, the, uh, Harvey, the credit Houdini. 
That's what I'm talking about. And we got Justin Derrick, General Sales Manager at Boniface Airs. And we have uh, John Cattleborn, Sales and Leasing Specialist at CMA's Valley Honda. And then we have Jose Louis Dab Dub, right? Come on now. And uh, he's an F&I manager. And uh, we're going to bring these four on right now. Guys, thank you so much for uh, hanging with us. And we apologize about the delay. And I want to to bring you guys right into the conversation. And I want to go right to Justin. Justin, the general sales manager. Um, Justin, you know, you know, I look forward to meeting you, man, seeing you or seeing you on Monday um, here. But um, I um, want to ask you about some of this. You know, we, we were talking about Grant mentioned, uh, which I think was very profound. He said there's a difference between customer satisfaction and customer experience. And he said customer satisfaction is what happens after you messed up, you know, how <clears throat> how you make it right. And it's, I guess somewhat we can call it playing defense, right? We're playing we're playing defense, and you got to have a good defense, as we know in, in sports world. But let's look at the customer experience, and you know what's what's in your opinion, Justin? What's so? What's the most important thing that we need to get, you know, out, out, in, out, in this in right now in the car business that we need to focus on when it comes to customer experience? Justin, you on? Hello. Hey. Sorry about that. Yeah, so when you say satisfaction, I instantly think like this, we're anticipating a problem, which is unfortunate. However, the customer experience is by far the most important process, the most important part of the whole sale. I mean, people come in and he said it perfect. You know, you have to be so transparent because there's this big perception that we're not transparent. So to be transparent ultimately is just one part of the process in, in that customer experience. You know, because people can buy, I tell everyone, everyone that works here and, and any person that I have, have talked to, you know, people can buy anywhere. And the prices online, the prices are all online. So it's, it's not whether the customers know the price. They're, they're coming in for the difference. They're coming in for transparency and a good customer experience. Let me ask you this, and, and maybe Grant can weigh in too, and you, you guys I mean, kind of further that along. So you just made me think of something. I mean, they can buy from anywhere. Prices are online. And so the customer experience really starts and begins, you know, with, with our with our website, with with our you know our internet process, right? With the you know how, how we're attracting the leads and so forth. So you know, I, I guess, but at the same time, I, you know, so let's talk about that a little bit. I mean, you know, Justin, maybe you know you and Grant, Grant, what when you think of that? Maybe a question you would have for Justin regarding that. I mean. Because I'm thinking about the showroom of old, right? And, and, and when the customer steps on the lot, it all begins. But that's not the case now. And, and I think that, you know, if the prices are all online, I mean, there's an opportunity to lose Absolutely. a customer way before they ever come I mean, to I, I think the, I, I think the statistics is that the average person can spend 17 hours or, or something, I believe. It's ridiculously high. I mean, there's a lot of hours that, that are spent online, which ultimately the experience starts when the person first decides they're going to buy a new vehicle. Well, I think, and to add to your point and what he's saying, I think that, so, you know, you can pick a year, whatever year you want to pick. It doesn't really matter to me. I used 07 because I think that's where the iPhone really became predominant in culture. Mm -hmm. So you say, you know, to your direct quote, it starts once they come on the lot. Well, the reality is, is that since 07, 08, and everybody's put all these things and the advancements in technology, we've gotten so much better at the resources and experience that we provide online. Mm-hmm. Where the failure happens, Absolutely. where the failure happens is your online doesn't meet your offline. 
talking about that. So what happens is, is so that you're talking about the person that's true. responsible for the handoff. So they're either the, the, the person, yeah, the either your internet department, or if you run a BDC, or you do cradle to grave, or however you're composed. What happens is, is that that online experience that either you've dealt with a marketing company, you have an amazing operator, you have an amazing general manager, wherever that experience comes from, and you spend a lot of time on internet lead management and workflow and templates and driving tab and engagement sure. and chat and blah 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 and you know right. you, we can go pretty far but what happens is is that you do all that and they show up on the lot and you begin again Man, and you make them chase two hours mm -hmm. to get what they already had instead of being yeah. prepared for when they show up you know it's funny about that too and we're going to get to, chris i'll let you bring in the other panelists here but you know think about other things like that you deal with on customer service level i mean i remember when we switched you know i mean i could i could say it because i mean they're huge it doesn't really matter but like fios was bought out by frontier you know i had fios they were bought out there was a huge transition and man, let me tell you, it was, uh, you know, they, 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 they tagged it as all these bells and whistles and right, the, the, the look was great. The site was great. The, the commercials were great. The advertising was great. The customer service was horrible. I mean, it was just like the ball was dropped. It was a nightmare. Left. It was a nightmare. I went through it. So it was beyond a nightmare. So, so, but think about this. What happens, it, just because you're a local dealer, right, but because people start online everywhere right they start at that process whether it's sure. whether it's something as large as their cable which is a huge conglomerate or their local dealer group or dealership so the reality is a customer is going to get just as frustrated chris at, at that experience if not more because they're going to spend a lot of money versus maybe just a you know a hundred dollar a month cable bill right and oh. then it's and it's all wrapped up and i'm sorry to you no, know steal it, chris but you know you know it's all wrapped up you know uh True Car, for for example, Cars.com, all your all your major vendors. Mm -hmm. What I think is, you know, funny is, you, like a True Car lead. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I shop different brands, different stores all the time. In order to submit a True Car lead, you you have to get the price. You get a certificate, and then it goes to dealers. Mm -hmm. So why, as a dealer, when you know before they can even choose you, they're getting the price? Why would you hide from that price? Yeah. It, Without a doubt, I couldn't agree anymore. It just, <laughs> it just, it, it's almost comical. It's like so, you know. Or why would your template price, or why would you whatever you send them, mm -hmm. differ from that? Mm. You're the one who set it up in the first place, right? So it means it's a so it gives a customer the perception it's a bait and switch or what? You're, you're you're hiding something. Oh yeah, Harvey, weigh in on that, man. Hey, how you doing? Oh, doing wonderful, man. We got the credit Houdini on. Why, how else? All right, all right. Um, yeah, but the whole the whole bait and switch deal. Uh, I've actually worked uh, with a lot in the past that you know has done that. And uh, being honest, just like you said, it's always uh, somewhat comical, especially when you have a you know a customer or client that has done their research and they already know the numbers. You know, they've, they've pretty much already been sold online, you know, based off of the, uh, the cost of the vehicle. And the only thing you pretty much have to do is just close the customer and give them an awesome, awesome customer experience. And, uh, you know, something such as that normally ends up killing the deal. So uh, you end up on the back end trying to uh, patch everything up and uh, say, you know, this person made a mistake and we apologize. And... You know, that's just something that sadly happens at some dealerships, but you have to do your best to uh, avoid the situation. 
Yeah, absolutely. What do you think, Chris? Uh, you know, I, I'd like to bring in John into the conversation because I think John. Well, yeah, probably, too. You worked at two big. You worked at AutoNation. Yeah. And then you worked at a set like nineteen store group as well. Yeah. You know, so you had experience Furman working back in the day. Furman yeah. too. Okay, that's so you worked at three big groups. Big, and big uh, uh, what's the other big one in Florida? Drawn a blank. Um, that you worked for? Yeah. Cadillac, Cadillac. They own a Cadillac store on Florida Avenue. I'm drawing a blank. Um, um, Ed Morris. Ed Morris. Yeah, I also worked for Ed Morris. Okay, so you were okay. So you worked for all groups. Weigh in on this. I mean, it's a customer experience versus customer satisfaction. Well, I mean, so much has changed since I've been, in, you know, actually on the floor and, mm -hmm. and dealing with customers on a daily basis. But there, there is a lot to be left to desired for when you, when you talk about the first touch point of a customer in the car dealership. And things, obviously, like we've talked about here, they vary dramatically from what someone sees online on the, what's, what's ironic. Which is, by the way, your wheelhouse. I mean, yeah. What's, what's completely blows my mind is it's, it's not just from what they see online, but what they see on the actual dealer's website. And then they come into the store, and it's a completely different experience, and not only different experience, but different pricing and everything. It doesn't look remotely the same. Mm -hmm. And then we sit around as car guys and wonder, why is these customers so, being so difficult? Well, it's because we've set them up to think that, you know, we're already lying to them before they even walk in the door. And then, Well, I shouldn't say that. As soon as they get in the door, they feel like they're being lied to because what they saw online is not what they see in the store. So, but I mean, I don't, you know, I think that it's, I think it's probably, I don't think it's malicious in, in a lot of ways. I mean, I think sometimes it can no, be. I, I agree with you. I don't, I don't I think, think it's it is all the time. in yeah. some ways, you know, I, but maybe also, procrastination, maybe, the, you know. But I also think that, that, that you, it's not malicious, I would say 90% of the time. I think the other 10% of the time is you have some old school dealers that believe that, you know, they're going to get it, make an extra couple of grand because someone didn't shop them online. And I don't know why in the world anyone in today's market would feel that way. But you do have. Well, if they were buying that. in this room before the show, they wouldn't be able to do that because they're in the down. But your point is perfect, and you know, uh, if John is still there. You know, I'd like to ask John because he's a salesperson. Now, my guess would be John probably. I don't know how long you've been selling cars, but if at least if it's over a year, how many customers have now started coming to you that they immediate left another dealership? And they come to you absolutely dejected, and it's almost the easiest car deal you do in the entire month. Ooh, great good question. question. Well, that's, that's a great question. Ha thank you very much for having me on. Um, I have not been in the business very long, um, only a couple months to be completely honest with you guys. But what I have seen, and, and listening to what the panel is discussing, and the question you just asked me is, I've seen customers come in dejected, and I've seen people that will test you because they're educated consumers. They'll ask you point blank, well, this is the price, and they're testing you from the time they come in. And you guys mentioned experience versus satisfaction and how the online doesn't meet the offline. All of that, whether it's in the dealership or the dealing with the customer, it comes, it comes down to communication, mm -hmm. being able to communicate, having the, you know, the managers communicate to the sales staff what we're doing, how we're going to do it, what the, the dealership wants us to portray, and, and how they want us to act. The word transparency is being thrown around a lot, and if it's done in the right way, it's a style of communication that is, is refreshing for a customer because experience is something that has been neglected. Satisfaction is the bare minimum. You're, you're doing just enough to get by. Like Satisfaction is like C's to get degrees. You know, and experience, your dealership gets on the honor roll. 
And, you know, when you do that, when you see a customer coming from another lot that's dejected, yeah, it is easy, but it makes me want to provide an even better experience because of what just happened to them and what drove them to me. Hey, John, let me ask you a question, too, just off the, just based on, you know, the, a couple of months in the industry, because you seem, you sound like, you know, you sound like you, uh, you've got, you got some knowledge or at least some certainly understanding, you know, about, about this, what we're talking about, but what got you into the business? I think that's a good question to ask. You know, why, why you know, because you seem like a really sharp guy, and I, I think the sharp people are in the car business and should, but I want to know what got you in the business, man. If you don't mind me asking, what, what, why the Scott car business? Simons. No, no, I don't mind you asking at all. It was Scott Simons. I was actually in medical equipment sales. My background, I'm, I'm a certified athletic trainer with over 25 years' experience, most of it at the Division One collegiate level. Um, and I never, ever would have dreamed in my, in my wildest imagination that I would be in the auto industry. I've known Scott for, you know, almost 10 years, and I reached out to him because the role I was in, it wasn't fulfilling, it didn't seem like the right fit. And I reached out to Scott one day, and we had a conversation, and he said, why don't you come down to Shadow and see how we do things? And it was a three-week process, but it was it was the transparency that you guys talk about mm-hmm. that was I saw within the dealership. It was the way that the Carter Myers Automotive Group is run, mm-hmm. how they support. It's, it's all of the things that we as, as I, I am proudly part of this industry now, but we as automotive people are mm-hmm. trying to break the stereotypes up. I saw it happen firsthand. Right. And I've been experiencing it ever since I came in. And the, the sales training on the front end from Honda, the support from Carter Myers, it, I've told Scott, I've told Liza Myers Borges, this is the best training that I've had in my sales career and you know i've been in sales for four years now and in pharma and medical equipment and this is the best training they want you to succeed they invest in you and you know, you know it's funny brought me in it was seeing that and going all right i'll do it you know th- thank you john and you know scott first yeah scott that that says it all right there i knew you worked in scott's group and and that i had a stinky i saw i saw ben uh Ben St. Hours join in, and I had a sneaky suspicion that, you know, that Scott or Ben had, had something to do with that, obviously. And, and so, you know, Grant, you know, sh- shifting gears a little bit, because and I, and it seems like we talk about training a lot, but the reality is what solves the problem of, with, of what we're talking about a minute ago is training. It's, it's taking the time. But, you know, we've got um, not a lot of car dealerships, and I, there's, there are a lot, but there, uh, there are some, but there's not a lot of car dealerships out there that train very effectively even today. And, um, you know, for instance, I can relate to what John said. We've got out in our sales floor, we've got three or four guys that um, came in together about five, six months ago, and um, three of them were in the car business and um, for a long time. And, you know, they came on in their first couple of weeks here. They said, I've never... I've never been trained like this ever. Now they came from stores that are not like, you know, Morgan Auto Group, where they invest in training, and or sure. John Marazzi or stores where Scott Simons, you know, uh, you know, runs and things like that. But we can't take that for granted because that is really what it is, what it, what it's about, man. You got to get a hold of people and pour into them. And, and listen, I'm going to tell you that's saying something for Scott Stores because the pharmaceutical industry. I mean, there's some pretty hefty salespeople in that industry, and that's that's always been known as an industry with very strong sales, you know, high income, earning potential, and, and a lot of good sales training. So, uh, what's your thoughts on that? 
Well, one of the things that I like that he said, and one of the, I think that the biggest failures is, um, is I'm a huge, like you said, we talk about training. You guys do a phenomenal job of training. We have an amazing lady uh, in our organization named Pam Pru mm-hmm. who does a lot to filter things down, a, an incredible woman. And I think training is important, but what I think what he, uh, what he said before is, is they set an accurate uh, picture of what he was getting into. And I think so many times the problem with interviews is we interview one way. Mm-hmm. We interview and we basically let them sell us on why they would be a good candidate for exposition. Mm-hmm. And we never, ever give them a glimpse mm-hmm. or ever tell them what they're getting into. Yeah. And if we tell them what we're getting into, we for lack of a better word, we flat out lie mm-hmm. to convince them to take the job. And then when they get there and they're dejected and they're non and they're not cared for and they're not provided thing and they come in there and they're like, this is, you know, I, I've been not in the automotive business, but I've gone and I've talked to so many people, they'll reach out and they'll say, you know, Grant, I took this job and it is nothing like they told me in the interview. Right. And how many times do we all hear that? Yeah. And, and then the dealer's so shocked that they didn't make it. That they didn't make it. <laughs> right. they're, they're, they're so shocked that the guy went for a, uh, the guy went for a uh, coffee right. and they never, never saw him back. again. He's not calling back. The same guy that used profanity and threw the deal jacket at him see, is shocked that the guy didn't show back up. And see what Scott, what Scott Simons is doing is he's looking for, this is what makes, this is where we're speaking to managers now that are listening, you know, GMs, if you're listening, general sales managers, you know, owners, if you're listening, you, you're trying to, Scott's trying to invest in his, in the building of the vision that he's put out there. So he, if you look at it that way and you're not looking at, hey, we need to sell cars and make money, but we need to build this and we're going somewhere, right? There's a goal. It takes people. And I think Scott's looking just as much as someone like John's looking to land somewhere that's effective. Scott's looking for effective people. So he, you know, so I love that. I like the fact that, hey, come in, see how we do things. And you're right. We don't interview. We do a lot of different things than I used to do or sales managers in the past. We let them sit down. We let them listen and shadow, mm-hmm. you know, because I'm going to tell you, man, you don't, I, look, turnover is a huge thing and in the car business. And it's, yeah, I was going to say the resources. We don't understand the resources. And, uh, you, you know, know one, of the, one of the things I think that we, we've kind of, we've talked about, but we haven't really brought it out is mm-hmm. it's the places that are successful at doing this is not just training it, but it's, it's because they culture, yeah. you know, the whole time he's talking, yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm thinking, I'm thinking to myself, it's culture, yeah. having a brand and a culture. Mm-hmm. So when someone's able to come in from Absolutely. the outside and being completely transparent, they're like, wow, <clears throat> I would fit in here as right. opposed to other places that don't have any kind of culture. Forget about training. You can do all the training you want, but if you don't have a solid culture of what, how things are supposed to be done, mm-hmm. what expectations are, yeah. and some kind of transparency, you're, you're doomed to fail. Well, it's emotion, and yeah. people want to be cared about. As much as, as much as you want to bring somebody on board about, somebody wants to know that they're a part of something or they're cared of mm-hmm. or there's a plan. Mm-hmm. And it, without a plan, even the best training in the world is never going to work right. because they're, th- what are they training for? Because yeah. they're already looking for a job. Right. Mm-hmm. What are they training for? They're already looking for a job. Mm-hmm. That's just the reality of it. I mean, and, and it's it sort of point. You know, if, you, if everybody opens their phone today, they're going to see the news that uh, a place like Chipotle just dropped again that they're increasing their tuition reimbursement for their employees and they want their employees to go to they're gonna they reimburse now almost six thousand dollars a year and they send them to school and it's a hundred percent free and we're talking about unskilled labor right you know i can remember i was at a store 
I was at a store recently, and the store had had a whole lot of turnover. And I go, and I, and I, and I'm out of town, and I'm leave, and I'm and I'm trying to figure out. It's back to one of those things where it's like I don't know their market, I don't know their brand. This is a few months ago. I'm trying to kind of catch up. I'm teaching myself. I'm up till twelve o'clock in their you know dealer porter learning about mm -hmm. the store. But so the next morning I get up. And I and I go to I go downstairs to the hotel and I get my cup of coffee and I go outside and I sit and there's a sign that says they're wanting people to pay sixteen dollars an hour to work forty hours a week to pick up towels by the pool. Hmm. Now, there's a hotel forty hours a week, sixteen dollars an hour. Now, some of us in the car business may say, "Well, Grant, where are you going with this? It's not a whole lot of money." The reality is, is there's somebody willing to pay a little bit more to get an unskilled labor. What do you think you're going to get in the car business yeah. if you don't invest up front? That's a That's really right. good point. And why do most people get into the car business anyways? Um, I, I would mm -hmm. love to say that most of us get into the car business because we're riding high. Mm -hmm. But most of us get into the car business because we're broke and we've got nowhere else to go. Yeah. So you're going to bring somebody in with no direction. <laughs> with no direction who's already broken behind on his bills yeah. and not give him any direction and put him further behind on his bills yeah then it's not going to work jose we'll let really you weigh important. in jose we, want, we thank you for being patient man why don't you jump in on this conversation and then we're going to jump back to justin and harvey and john and give everybody another chance to 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 to, to, to uh, weigh in jose yeah, you know, uh, I'm, I'm actually a, I'm kind of a hybrid. I do finance and I'm a sales manager. Uh, and now I'm actually uh, with uh, Camping World, uh, which is RV. So I, I, uh, I'm a sales manager slash finance manager for them. And, and the culture is all the same. Selling is selling, you know. And some of the things that I wrote down um, was everyday training. Like uh, every day we train. Every morning we train for 10 to 15 minutes. Uh, and it's on different subjects, different things, different occasions. We even role play uh, and make sure that our sales professionals, and I like calling them sales professionals because that's what I want them to be. I don't just want them to be a salesperson. I want them to be a sales professional. I want them to be able to be professional. And when, when the up comes in, when the customer or the guest comes in, when the phone call comes in, to be able to answer everything, follow the process, and allow the process to make money. When you were talking about cultural, what's our cultural? Our cultural is, is that we sell fun and memories. That's our cultural, you know. So like we make that. everything fun, exciting, and we make sure because in RVs, they have like all kinds of floor plans, David. I mean, like every type of floor plan. And so if you don't have that floor plan, then when they get here, you got to let them know why they should buy this floor plan, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's our culture is what, what do we have on the lot? What can we sell that's on the lot? And what kind of great fun memory can we start uh, having these customers envision already and saying, hey, I can see your little daughter you know, uh, sleeping in that bunk and see the dog right there next to her and you guys that have a great time, you know yeah. what I mean? And, and this happened with this camper right here. And so, um, training's important, making sure who, you know, who you are and have a process. I can't say that enough. I think I've said that over and over again. It's good. Uh, process I like that. It's so important when it comes to sales Quick. and make sure that your sales professionals are following process. Quick question for you. And I don't want to go too long with it. Cause I know we want to get to our other guests, but I think that's very interesting that you're a sales manager and a finance manager. And the question that I have, is that something that has been around for a while or did that come out of the customer kind of wanting to go that way? 
if you follow what I'm saying, like the customer wanting to deal with the same people that's selling it to them and banking it for them at the same time. Because I think that's kind of cool that you're doing both. Yeah, it, it's it's something new that Camping World uh, was doing. I was a finance manager when I worked with uh, Harry Robinson Beard uh, GMC. Actually, it was Harry Robinson Ford. They bought a new location. And so uh, I was a sales manager with them. And then uh, when I came over to Camping World, they hired me as finance manager slash sales manager and was doing that. And so uh, it's something where I can pencil the deal and then already know which bank that's going to buy it after I look at the credit. You know what I mean? So it makes it a little more simplistic in the financing and funding side of it. No, you know, I like how that. many times has a sales manager maybe penciled the deal and then didn't put the person on the right unit and then agreed. they agreed to numbers and everything else on that unit and then they give it to the finance manager and the finance manager's like, we're, we're on the wrong unit. You know? <laughs> uh, no, you're hundred percent right. And we've all seen those, that. Yeah. Now question for you, yeah. is that, yeah, we're, is that yeah. something that every member of your team does both sales manager and finance manager, or is that something just you do? That's, that's something new that's just started. But like, and so right so, now, if I come into uh, your store, how many people do that? Just you, or is there any people who do one or the other? And the reason why I'm asking, and the reason why I'm asking that question is, I'm curious to see if your PVR is much higher than the people doing separate jobs. That's why I'm asking that question. He's he's, he's investigating. <laughs> mm, okay. I get, yeah, I, yeah, he is investigating. Yeah. So Good. so actually, it, uh, I think the profits and the gross is higher because again, uh, here at this location, I do both. Um, I I'm a sales manager and I'm a finance manager when I need to be. We do have a finance manager, uh, and then we also have our our GM, and so mm -hmm. uh, we're about to hire one more sales manager so then we'll have a sales manager finance manager and then I'm in the middle where I can do either I can do both um, and wherever I'm needed and so at the previous location where I was training uh, was the same thing we had a finance director finance manager we had a GM GSM and a sales manager and then I was in the middle doing both copy Nice. That's good. Very interesting. Yeah, it is. That's that's yeah. a that's extremely interesting. Let's go back to Justin. And I'm going to go. Here's what I'm going to do because we believe it or not. I mean, and again, we apologize about running behind in the beginning of the show, but I want to want to get some closing comments and give everybody a chance to just take take a couple two or three minutes. Um, Justin, jump in, man. I'm sure you've been dying to say something. And uh, we'll go to Harvey after you, and then we'll go to John, and then we'll, we'll close out with Jose. But we'll give each of you guys a chance just to comment on any portion of the show. Take two or three minutes, no hurry, and uh, just go ahead. Go ahead, Justin. Absolutely. I couldn't, couldn't uh, agree anymore. We, a lot of great topics were brought up. But one of the biggest things that I've noticed, and if you guys follow me, if you know anything about my story, we took a store from selling 50 cars a month to all, this month we're tracking over 250 cards. Wow. So and the way what we did Great is job. we we changed the customer experience. When I first walked into that first day, it was like we were walking into a morgue. You know, the culture is is everything of a dealership because ultimately if your employees aren't having fun and if they're not enjoying coming into work every day, then what do you have? You you, you don't you don't have something that's positive you don't have a positive environment uh, and one thing i've noticed is that as an employee standpoint is when you hire the right people with the intention that they're they're getting hired to not sell but to serve 
man, you, your numbers go through the roof. You know, we're so focused every day on, you know, how are we going to sell this person? Instead, if you switch your mindset from selling to serving, mm-hmm. I mean, That's good. It's, it's unbelievable how, the results that you get by simply just changing your mindset just from selling to serving. And with reality, we've all talked about, and we probably all can agree that everyone does research online, or maybe not everyone, but the majority of people research online. So at that point, we're not selling, we're serving the people, right? I mean, yep, it, that's what I would assume. Yeah. So and, and when we focus on the dealer and employee and customer experience rather than the satisfaction, and we focus on serving rather than selling, man, you could take any dealership, you can take a dealership from selling 50 to 250 in six months, I promise you, I did it. That's good. Awesome. Kudos to you, brother. Good heart. <laughs> Come on, I'm ready. <laughs> good job, baby. All right, let's go, let's go to Harvey. Hey, and I'm working some deals. Come on, there you go. Let's go to uh, Harvey and get your uh, closing comments. Hey guys, uh, once again, thank you guys for having me on here. Uh, but like you were saying, you know, earlier talking about the culture and training and you know most people coming into the car dealership looking to uh you know get their bills called up you know um that was kind of me at one point in time i had a goal and i knew that you know i had training and everything they don't own anything on this they don't own anything on this to chase that goal you know i knew i could make it happen in the car business so uh, one of the biggest things that were major for me was, uh, you know, just having license. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Harvey. Harvey. Hey, can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. Oh, okay. Okay. You ready for me? Yes, sir. Yeah, we can hear you. We, you just uh, you just cut off a second ago, so. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I don't know what happened, but uh, I was just saying that, um, you know, the training, uh, having that culture and the awesome training in your store is something that, you know, you just got to have for a dealership to be successful. Um, I know with me coming in, like uh, he was, you know, referencing earlier, people coming into the car dealership are coming in to make money uh, just because a lot of times, you know, becoming a car dealer, I mean, a car salesman, you're coming probably from a bad spot in your life and you're trying to change it. So, you know, having a dealership that's going to uh, give you that training, that's going to help you be, you know, number one and help you succeed, that's something that you got to have. And you just got to let people know and be transparent uh, and knowing that this is what you're going to be doing. This is how it goes. And uh, as long as you do that, man, you're going to have successful people. That's good. All right, let's go to, thank you, Harvey. Let's go to John. John will give you some closing remarks, man. Thank you. Welcome to the car business, man, and thank you for being on with us. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Um, My final thoughts on this is you guys were saying, somebody mentioned, I can't remember who it was, they mentioned the training, and I want to ask a question to the panel. How many of you guys just verbally have been an athlete on some level? All of you? Yeah. Yeah, I have debatability yeah, okay. on success I mean, yeah yeah i, I was <laughs> does madden count okay so, absolutely <laughs> okay i'm just kidding <laughs> but th- th- there's th- there's a poster that you see in almost every gym or every locker room. like you look around you can see it but so, and i thought of this when they were talking about training every day is training day every day 
and people get this warped sense of like, if I'm going to do training, it's probably, it's going to be like three hours. It's going to be arduous. It's going to be awful. No, like in the launch meeting, every single morning that every dealer goes, that every dealership goes through, you can spend three to five minutes doing something. Just directing, doing it's it's those small, simple steps that if you do that for thirty days in a row, the the results are gonna are gonna be exponential within the staff. Um, and then the other thing that I I, I, I noticed and and it was the serving versus selling. Serving is definitely where you want to go. If you focus on serving people, the numbers will follow every single time. And I've only been in a couple months. But I can tell you from being in sales for four years, you serve, numbers follow. Amen, brother. Thanks, John. That's the, that's the truth, man. I can't wait to see what you do in this industry, man. It's going to be big things. Absolutely. Let's go to um, Jose. Hey, before before you – Sorry about that. I forgot to mute it. No, that's I was uh, I was working a deal. That, that's we heard. That's the part we um, like about this show. It's the only show in the world where you can okay, actually so, hear people doing um, their job. You know, like like he said, training is really important. Um, but I think too, the biggest fear is gross. I don't know why we're so afraid of gross. Why dealerships are afraid of gross? And you know what really hurts? Um, we well, just yelled in out the cash. camping business is people. They for whatever reason will put the lowest number on the internet. And so now it forces, you know, so, so let's say if you're selling Fords, right, and you're, you're putting all losing $1,500 on the Internet, then now you're going to miss that customer because they come in with that Internet price from another big chain. And, you know, all they're hoping is that they hit their numbers and they make their little uh, back-end bonus money, you know, to recoup all the loss. I, I don't know why we do that to each other. Um, but what I tell our sales professionals is sell yourself. Sell the service that you give. Make yourself available. Make sure you follow up and, and say, yeah, you can pay $1,500 less, but when you have a flat tire and you can't get a hold of anybody, who's going to help you? Yeah, I am because I'm your sales professional. I'm the one that's going to come out there and help you, or we'll send our service department out there to help you free of charge because that's what we do here. Nice. You know, and, and nice. so separating yourself that way, selling yourself, you can still make gross and whole gross. But man, this this putting online prices for fifteen hundred losers, uh, <laughs> it just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, it doesn't. Hey, Jose, before we, before we uh, let you go, I have a question. So, does Marcus ever come in your store? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, he he uh, calls us, he emails us, he calls us. Uh, he is awesome, man. Like. Um, he really is. Tell, I'll, I'll tell you a quick Marcus story real quick. Well, is, uh, next, next uh, time one you... store was doing really, really well, right? And uh, and he just called us all and told everybody he was bragging about the store. And right then out of the blue, he said, I'm going to give that store a $75,000 bonus. They can dispose to the employees however they want, to the lot porters, to the salespeople, to the management staff. I want to make sure that they all get a piece of that pie. So congratulations, store. for. And it wasn't like the best store, obviously. You know, we have over 180 locations but it was the one that profited the most according to the numbers and everything else just out of the blue yeah mm-hmm. well next just time called us all put us all on a local call it was crazy well next time you talk to him tell him his uh his buddy chris from the old used car mega store says hello <laughs> you know i will i will i'll email him how's that that sounds good nice man all right jose all right. john Thanks, justin man. harvey guys thank you so much what a great panel man and i appreciate all the insight hope you guys have a great rest of this october Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. It's been a pleasure.
Our pleasure, man. Thank you. So uh, great show, guys. Man, Grant, I'm going to thank our, our special guest here in studio. Man, you carried it. You carried it, baby. You carried it. I don't know about that. Sorry to the guys that were supposed to be on the panel. I talked a little bit. So, uh, no, dude, that's, that was great, man. <laughs> that's no, some that was fun. Great. Well, that's that, was, some fun. that was strategic on my end to get you to talk because, you know, I, I'm going to tell you, man, you know, I didn't think it was possible because you've always been sharp, but I think you're sharper than you uh, ever were, man. You've, uh, you've, 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 I, I'm, so it's amazing even, I was probably been several months, maybe going on even, what, eight, eight months or in so? Nine months. Nine months. Yeah. And um, since I've, since I've had a chance to really talk to you, but, the um, you know, other than shooting a text here and there, but man, I tell you what, man, I've seen the, even the, the growth and what you're doing. You can just see the ex, the expanse, the expansion. You're you know you've, because I guess you have to, right? I mean, there's there's more required out of you. Well, I think that's I think that's the case, but really, what I think it is is you elevate your game based upon the players around you, mm. and obviously it hurt I, hanging out with Brett and Larry Morgan. Well, Brett and you know <laughs> I, I, I and abso- Tom Moore and absolutely Andrew. you know Tom Moore, Brett Morgan, uh, Mr. Larry Morgan are phenomenal people, and they are where they are for a reason. But obviously, if you can see who they are and know who they are, then you then you can imagine the type of talent they attract. Yeah. And it's fun to go to that, you know, corporate office. Well they don't like to be called corporate, but management right. office right. and interact with your peers. Man, there are some smart people in that room and uh, I just want to play to their level so I've been studying up. Well, it shows. It shows, man. So, excellent job, Chris. Thank you, man. Always, you know, obviously uh, from the beginning, baby. And uh, in our new studio, had a little kinks worked out. We're airing from. I just found out we're airing from our personal page. Um, so I'm sorry that uh, everybody that follows us on the public, you know, um, it, it didn't show up that way. But hey, we'll get it. We'll get it. We'll get it right. We'll get it right, man. Lose, lose, lose. Always lose. Always lose. One of the best. We'll get them some best. more paper bags. Yeah, you the, be- <laughs> you're the best, baby. You're the best over there. Huh? DJ Khaled. Yeah, DJ Khaled. <laughs> All you do is win. Yeah. All right. So, hey, great show, guys. Um, until next week and Monday. I'm looking forward to Monday. We're going to have a great event. We're going to go live. We're going to have a special. Um, we will we'll air it from our uh, official page um, on Monday, but we're going to do a special auto dealer live panel. We're going to have about 45 um, dealers and GMs, some GSMs in uh, in the room here um, in, uh, on Monday and Tuesday. Uh, for culture matters, it's gonna be really cool. That's gonna be exciting. I know some of our guys are really excited about coming. So yeah, appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, man, our pleasure. And so we're we're gonna have uh, some some great people in the room. We're gonna come to you guys live with some questions, and and uh, we got a hot panel, just a smoking panel of uh, about four or five dealers, and we're gonna talk about culture. So good stuff. Awesome. Perfect. Thank you guys. Hey, thank you. Have a See good you one, guys. guys. See ya. <clears throat> what do you say, Lou? <laughs>